SMB Wisdom acknowledges the traditional owners of the lands upon which we have recorded this podcast today. We pay our respects to Elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. Hello and welcome to the SMB Wisdom podcast, coming to you from the land of the Yuggera and Turrbal people. My name is Alice Rue and I'm a partner at SMB Advisory, the proud sponsors of this podcast. The SMB Wisdom Podcast is a forum to provide value tips for business owners from an extended network of experts on their topics of expertise. I'm so very blessed to have an amazing network of people who are fabulous at what they do. They might be accountants, lawyers, business owners, or any number of individuals that day in, day out, deal with the issues and problems that can plague small and medium business owners and come up with solutions, outcomes, and results to assist It's now my mission to bring some of this knowledge to small and medium business owners to assist them in making their good businesses great and their great businesses fabulous. Now on with today's episode. Hello everyone and thank you for joining us again today for our SMB Wisdom International Women's Day Showcase for 2023. As you're no doubt aware, International Women's Day is celebrated on the 8th of March and this year the theme is hashtag Embrace Equity. As many IWD celebrations we have, a month-long showcase of some of the amazing women I know and have worked with or alongside in various fields to show just how amazing women can be. As an insolvency practitioner, I do like to look at the learnings that come about from businesses or ventures that might find themselves in distress in order to advise others on how to attempt to mitigate against making similar mistakes in the future. And in the same vein, I like to look to my colleagues, contacts and friends to hear what they've learned from their different experiences, as I think it builds towards a wealth of knowledge. And this is why in this series, I'm talking with a number of amazing women to hear about their career journeys, the roles of mentors and sponsors in their careers, and any advice they have for others in similar circumstances. Today, I'm speaking with Nicole Davidson from Nicole Davidson Negotiation. Nicole is a commercial mediator and a negotiation trainer and advisor. An accredited accredited mediator since 2016, Nicole brings a wealth of experience in the legal, insolvency and banking sectors to her mediation practice. She has consulted across a broad range of industries in Australia, Europe and the Middle East. Nicole is a mediator on the Victorian Small Business Commission Mediation Panel. In 2021, she received the Resolution Institute's Awards for Achievement by an Emerging Practitioner, and in 2022, she was recognised in the Australian Law Awards as Mediator of the Year and listed as one of the Inside Small Business Magazine's Top 50 Small Business Leaders. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you, Alice, and um, thank you for having me on what is a fantastic initiative of yours, so it's a pleasure to be involved. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to have you. I've got to say, I know we did reflections some time ago, but geez, you had a busy year last year, didn't you? I love reading through your bio and all those amazing things that um, (laughs) have come to bear. So congratulations again for all of that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was a busy one and I'm hoping this year will be just as busy. I bet. I bet. Now, Nicole, um, could I start off today by asking what traditional land you're coming from? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm based down in Melbourne, which is on the traditional lands of the Kulin Nations. Beautiful. Thank you very much for that. And Nicole, we heard in your bio that what you're up to these days, you're a commercial mediator, a trainer and an advisor. But that hasn't always been the case, has it? Do you want to tell us a little bit about how you've got to be where you are now in your profession? I love this story, can I just say? Yeah, absolutely. And look, I guess it all starts back. um, I did a law commerce degree at uni and I actually really wanted to do commerce and become an accountant. And I did law because I got the marks. 
And so when I came out of uni, I didn't want to um, practice law, um, mm -hmm. but I did want to use the skills that I'd got. So I worked in commercial insolvency being a really good area to have that mix of legal and um, accounting. And it was only when I came in as a grad, having worked part-time for a couple of years before that, um, that all my colleagues kept saying, why are you here? Why are you not doing articles? You're going to have to do professional year, um, which was the, the CA course back then. And I went, good point. So I thought, you know what, I have done the law degree. I should give it a try. What if I love it? Mm. Um, so I left insolvency. I went to one of the top tier national firms, did my articles, very quickly realised that for all the reasons I had thought, the law was not the place for me to be sitting Mm -hmm. um, but also decided I didn't want to go straight back into insolvency because of the negativity um, mm -hmm. that I encountered in that insolvency industry. So I went into investment banking thinking we'll do front end instead of messy back end. Yeah. Um, but once again, I think for me there, I felt that there was a real lack of doing good. Um, mm -hmm. So it was get, getting deals done. It was very, very focused on money. Mm -hmm. Um and that didn't sit quite right with me. So I moved on from there. Um, I had a bit of a break where I went, I don't even know what I want to do. I did recruitment for a little while. Hardest sales job in the world, trying to sell people that can actually say they don't want to be sold into a specific buyer. That's amazing. Um, yeah, true. Yeah. Um, it was great. Yeah, it's, it's funny. When I talk to recruiters and I say that, they're like, oh, that's so right. Mm. Uh, but it was great experience at getting to work with people and, and meeting people and learning a whole range of different things that people had done. Um, from there, though, I, I sort of took, took um, uh, did a bit of an audit of where I'd been and went, you know, I'm going back into commercial insolvency. Actually, it was great. It was lots of variety. It was interesting work. So I went back there for about three and a half years and after going on a leadership development course while I was working with Ernst & Young, I had what I call my little epiphany. Um, I looked at these two people that had been running this three-day workshop and the impact that they were having on the people in that room was phenomenal. So I thought, mm -hmm. that's what I want to do. So I went and recreated myself as a learning and development professional and that took a little while, um, was in-house with law firms and accounting firms running their learning programs, then went to a training organisation and then where it all crystallised and I had my magic moment was mm -hmm. when I came into a training organisation that just focused on negotiation and conflict training and that's where I found my passion for this area. Um, it was fantastic. I, I worked there deeply understanding and, and learning all of the theory about this. And then I got to the point where I wanted to be out there doing it as well. So mm -hmm. I set up on my own so that I can do a blend of still teaching and coaching people, but also getting in there as a mediator, using those skills in practice and using them with real life negotiations. So it, oh, it's never a short story, <laughs> but no, it landed where it was meant to. Yeah, and I, I think also, Nicole, you know, you always say you're always where you're meant to be at a particular, you know, point in time. And, you know, I don't know what your thoughts are, but what I get from that is you probably, you know, with all due respect, wouldn't be the mediator you are now if you hadn't had the legal banking and insolvency background that you had. Totally. I think for what I do now, that breadth of experience is absolutely valuable and mm. Um, you know, I think it differentiates me from a lot of commercial mediators out there who a lot of whom have never worked outside of a law firm until they mm. become a mediator. 
Um, so I've had the experience of the legal. I've looked at the finances and understand the operations of business. But as a receiver and a liquidator, often you're in there running businesses as well. So I think that is a differentiator. And I think what's really interesting is when I talk to some of my friends at various stages, I felt like I was failing in my career. Um, you know, I remember when I left investment banking and went into recruitment, I just was so stressed about having to tell my parents that I have left this premium, well-paid, well-respected job and I'm going to be a recruiter. And and they were, they were shocked. They're like, what are you doing? What are you doing with all this education that you've got? Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing was when I was talking to friends at the same time who'd been you know, lawyers, since they got out of uni, they're like, I wish I had the courage to do something different because I don't love my job, but I'm too scared to go anywhere else. Yeah. So I didn't feel brave at the time, but it, it seems like there was some bravery involved. Oh, I think there's a lot of courage there. And I also think, um, again, if you hadn't gone into recruitment, then you wouldn't have figured out the training and development side. Is that right? You know, in terms of being able to then flow on into mediation. So everything has its place. It does. It, it's it's just like been the, yeah, exactly. It was like a bit of a treasure hunt rather than a nice straight path. Oh, that's all right. We like things to be a bit of a challenge, Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'd like to know how important then the support of mentors and sponsors in your journey was. You're talking about sort of networks of friends and your cohorts that you're talking about when you were leaving mm. and, and having those discussions with. But did you have many or any mentors or sponsors through that time that were able to sort of guide you or provide different sort of points of view? Look, it's really interesting. As I was thinking about that question, I think one of the things that came to me is I don't think I opened myself up to those mentors mm -hmm. and sponsors as much as I could have in my early career. And I think that comes down to, for me, I, there was this real expectation on myself that I knew every I had to know everything I had to be strong and I had to be together and to seek out sponsors and mentors was almost like an admission that I couldn't do it myself mm -hmm. and I think that really when I, when I reflect back on those early years that was a really big problem for me you mm -hmm. know things might have been different even in the careers that I left, I may have had a very different experience and ended up somewhere very different if I had been more open to chasing those opportunities. So I think the courage and the confidence to know that you kind of do need to have these mentors and sponsors. It's not a failing, it's it's a gift. Oh, um, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and so there's there's a couple of people who, despite all of that, did sort of step up and were proactive. And I remember even my very first manager when I was at Arthur Anderson um, was fantastic. And, and even when I left um, Arthur Anderson, you know, even simple things like saying, okay, well, you know what you need to do before you leave is I'm going to get you a copy of your HR file and you can, you've got to take copies of all of your um, performance reviews and everything that are sitting there because they'll be really helpful to you going forward and oh so things like that and and keeping in contact so I'm still in contact with him today 30 years down the track mm -hmm. um and you know so that's been great and then when I came back to Ernst & Young um as well there was a manager who sort of promoted up to director at the time and and she was my sort of support person there and and the person who kept me sane in the workplace. 
I think it's important, and I really hadn't thought about it, Nicole, but I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of when you are young and in profession, you do seem to think that you need to to hit all those goals on your own. I think you also think that, I don't know, and people sort of talk to me a bit about, um, you know, gender equality and these sorts of things, and I know I'm going off on a tangent now, but, mm. you know, these days, especially younger people sort of say, oh, yeah, but we don't have as much of an issue, you know, as we probably did before, and, you know, it's not as, as front of mind potentially sort of at the junior level. But I look back and I think I didn't think we had a, an issue either when I was a grad and when I was a friend. Yeah. We have people who would come and try and sort of, um, you know, nurture or mentor you and sometimes they were more sort of from competitive firms or whatever and that means a lot when you're a junior, you know, where you are and where somebody else is before you start sort of moving around and get to know people a yeah. bit better. Um, but I, and I think this is a real important point for now and I know that that sort of, seems like it was a long time ago and it probably was but I didn't think at that level that there was too much of an issue either I remember thinking oh no we're, we're fine I'm on an you know we graduated 50 50 or whatever it was into profession yeah nothing well, too and much I think that reflects the reality doesn't it is that yeah. we're coming out in equal numbers from uni but it's it's the structures as you get up in an organization that create the inequality that's right um and so I think it's it's right that we I think even now there's probably not as much recognition by the younger women and men um, in those organisations because their experience is at a particular level and things do work more effectively. And I think, you know, realistically, I think it's once you get up into the the period of people's lives where families become an issue and and children come on the scene um, can be where it all goes a bit pear-shaped. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I do think that's where you can to hark back to looking at different examples that are available or talking to different people. And it is funny. I, I agree. I've got a great um, former partner of mine. Well, he was my boss. I was never my, his partner, but um, who I worked for for years. And, yeah, we're still absolutely in touch. Um, and we had lunch last week, actually, back in Brisbane. And it's just it's great, isn't it, I think, to be able to still have people like that where you can touch, touch base and, um, you know, just check in, I think, from time to time. Yeah, I think too that the the sort of expectation around mentoring and support has changed a lot. When I think back to when I was a grad, I mean, we didn't have mentoring programs in the firm. Um, it wasn't talked about as much. There wasn't um, there weren't as many groups and organisations. And I know certainly within the insolvency industry, WERV is amazing because it provides a really good opportunity for young insolvency practitioners to come together and support each other. Yeah. Um, that existed, but there weren't many. I mean, in the legal profession, there was nothing for sort of young women lawyers. They were all starting to come up around the time when I was a grad. And I think the fact that they've developed so much and people are coming out into the workplace for the first time and having these bodies available to them and, and organisations where they can go and talk with other people is a fantastic development. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And I must admit, work in Queensland as well, do a great job mm. to work in, in Victoria. But also, like, we found, um, again, one of the reasons I founded FAN in Victoria, mostly the Female Accountants Network, was because there wasn't an umbrella of women who could just sort of talk with each other throughout the accounting profession. There was a sort of tax, yeah. you know, women in tax and the women in insolvency and the, you know, SMSF people and everybody. But it was sort of nice to then have that network just so people can almost trade stories. What's it like in insolvency? What's it like in tax? What's it like in audit? Yeah. Um, and sort of understand because sometimes you have that delineation and you can't really have that 
you know, understanding of what it's like in other areas, I guess. Absolutely. And I think from the perspective of women building business as well, you know, if you want to proceed in an organisation, you've got to start being the fee earner. You've got to start being the, the sort of rainmaker. And to have those umbrella organisations where you're not just meeting people who do the same thing that you do because they're not going to bring in revenue for you. Mm -hmm. um, yes, you can talk about day-to-day -day issues, but it's not actually building a successful business network. So right. bringing those wider networks is really essential and, and getting those out there because, you know, once again, I think on the traditional sense, I think men have always been better at doing that than women, yeah. um, whether it's just because they have more opportunity because they get more flexibility with their time or whether it's because, you know, a lot of that has traditionally been around sport and sort of more male-oriented activities. Mm -hmm. um, but for whatever reason, I think having groups like FAN um, is fantastic because you're starting to now give women opportunities to move more broadly. And there's a whole range of, of different organisations. Oh, that's um, so many. Formal yeah. and informal as well. And I guess that's where mm. I'll turn to now is, you know, we, we talk about the, the formal organisations that we're all a part of and we've, we've sort of had input into and the benefit from being, you know, um, associated with. But sort of how has those have those networks played out for you, I guess, going forward? Like, have you had sort of in, informal and formal groups of female networks going through, you know, like your, your career? Have they, have they helped? Um, has it been something that you've relied on? How has that sort of worked for you? Certainly since I've been in my own business. So I'm now entering my seventh year in my business and I have found um, the support that I've had in my own business has been extraordinary. And there are groups of women that I meet and, and particularly in the last three or four years where I've sort of changed my focus around as well. Um, but there are so many amazing women that I'm meeting that are really supportive. And, you know, I'll call out um, Kate Hulsman, who is a business development manager at Dijon Reed, that, who are pre-insolvency advisors. Mm -hmm. She is one of the most amazing supporters of women that I've come across. And she set up a group a couple of years ago called Women Building Business. So there's a group of us mm -hmm. um, who all either run our own business or have a business development role in a bigger business. Um, but haven't ever been qualified in doing the business development piece. And we all, you know, business development is one of those things that people often struggle with. So yeah. we get together a couple of times, you know, probably six times a year and we talk about what have we been doing with BD, what's working, what's not working. But yeah. not only that, we've got like a WhatsApp group. So throughout the year we're always WhatsApping. It's It might be here's a networking opportunity, here's an event we're going to. Um, and that group of women has become, you know, really supportive. If you're having a bad day and you just need to vent, you can go to this group. If you are stuck looking for a referral to someone, you can go to this group. So that is a is a fantastic example of mm. um, someone who's put it in. And, of course, you with your SMB lunches that we've been to has been another really great source of um, support and just meeting like-minded women who mm. are willing to support. Um, yes. That being said, I think getting the support of men um, is equally important and I'm very conscious in building my networks that they are equal. Yeah. Um, you know, I need as many men in my network as women um, and so, you know, I will go to as many groups that are mixed as I yeah. will to women's groups. 
Oh, I think it's important. You need, you know, I mean, you're cutting out half your, you, we often say in terms of mm. marketing, don't we, that if you don't include the women, you're cutting out half of your network. But the same applies if you only. Absolutely. Marketing. You need a broad. Well, and I think the reality is you're cutting out more than half because a lot more of, than half yeah. of the power still sits with men. No, absolutely. And, and there's so much to learn. Like I just find, mm. you know, um, you can learn so much. You can, um, you know, I think get on. So you've got so much in common with so many people that I do yeah. think that you don't necessarily need to have um, particularly gendered networks. I've generally found them more helpful around sort of parenthood and that sort of thing. And especially looking mm. up to people um, for me in insolvency, we didn't have a lot of female role models um, when I was sort yes. of going through. And so sort of looking to people, uh, like Victoria Namikos is one for me, um, who had done, you know, she was partner of a law firm, her own law firm. Um, she'd had two kids. She walked through how that worked. What does that look like? What does that sort of image, um, you know, how can we get that our head around that and how does that work? And I think that's where having so many different people and so many different perspectives mm. can really be just so enlightening and really so valuable. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so if we go back to the start of your career, um, what do you wish your younger self knew? I think it comes back to that whole um, lack of confidence and the expectations, sort of the perfectionism, massive doses of imposter syndrome. And I think, I think what I needed to know and what I think other young people um, professionals need to understand is that imposter syndrome happens to everyone. Um, you know, you will you will at times feel like you are drowning. You don't know what's going on. You might feel uncomfortable that you're in the wrong. You might feel that you're in the wrong place. But it's always worthwhile going and finding someone that you can trust to have a conversation with, whether they're in or out of the organisation. Um, I think the reality for me is when things got tough. I often just went, oh, I'm just going to try something different. And I was very lucky because, um, you know, when I went for a job, I, you know, I, I was very good at interviewing and getting jobs. I just wasn't very good at staying in them. Mm -hmm. um, so if I had actually talked about how I was feeling in some of those roles, it might have been possible to do something and stay on and progress in those roles. Now, mm -hmm. I'm really happy with where I ended up, so it's not a big issue for me. But I think it's still something that if you're thinking, I feel I feel bad about where I am and I don't feel like I'm progressing as I should and I'm maybe not up to speed, I'm in the wrong spot, it's really worth finding someone to have a chat about because you're probably in exactly the right spot. Yeah, isn't that interesting? I think that's really valuable. Um, thanks for that, Nicole. Um, I guess with that, do you have a predominant female role model? Who's your greatest female role model? It's a really good question. I was thinking about this because I'm not sure I necessarily have a specific female role model. Um, I mean, I there's a lot of people that I admire um, in, you know, people I've never met, um, but I admire people in the public eye. So for me, Angela Merkel, um, the former German Chancellor, stands out as a woman who just got on, did the job. And the thing I love about her is I think a lot of a lot of big male personalities in public roles seem to be all about individual ego. 
And so you see them all the time. It's often about me, me, me. And I loved her, you know, as a person, as a politician, she was very much about results and it was almost never about her. Mm. Um, someone else who I admire a lot is Julie Bishop. Yeah. Um, and I thought, you know, and having heard her speak a number of times about the experiences that she's been through, I think her persistence and perseverance um, and her dedication to doing what she wanted to do Um you know, very, very admirable. So they're, they're sort of the, the best two I can think of. Yeah, no, I, I think they're great. They're good too. To, but I, I think you're right. It's um, interesting, to be honest. Um, we were talking about this the other day as well, and people are sort of more looking at genres of women or people, mm. or, you know, the, the, uh, or sort of, you know, the um, different types or different allocations of um, people as terms of their role models. It doesn't seem to be, you know, a predominant you know specific people and I, I find that really interesting and um you know the examples that you've given today I, I enjoy those as well I think that's um quite good well I think it's that thing isn't it I mean for me it all comes back to and and this is not a generalization about men this is about a generalization of men who get into certain roles but that sort of self mm. that self-concern and ego is just so common and there are obviously women like that as well, or let me not mention the Kardashians. Um, <laughs> but generally I think uh, when you look at women in power, they seem there's more of them or even in the public eye. I mean, Michelle Obama is another one. You know, mm -hmm. that's not the Michelle Obama show. That is she's out there focused on causes rather than focused on her own cause. Yeah, that's really interesting. I quite like that um, that paradigm. Thanks for that. Um, mm. And finally, and I think we may have touched on this earlier, but do you have any advice for young female professionals starting out their careers? Yeah, look, I think um, it does come back a little bit to what I said earlier. I think mm -hmm. it's find ways, if confidence is an issue for you or lack of confidence is an issue for you, um, find individuals that you can connect with and don't be afraid to talk about it. Um, you know, it amazes me. Some of the most confident, competent women that I know, when you have a chat to them, that imposter syndrome is still alive and well for them. And I think once we start to recognise that, that this is just something, and men as well. I mean, there are there are plenty of men out there with imposter syndrome as well. So I think starting to find people to talk about that with mm -hmm. um, will help overcome it to a certain extent and just build your confidence because I think confidence um, is probably one of the things that sets women apart. I think men have more natural confidence. Um, you know, it comes back down to that old oft-quoted statistic about going for a job where, you know, the man will go for the job if it's, what is it, 35% or something. Yeah. I can't remember the numbers, but the woman needs to have, you know, close to 90% before they'll go for it. So I think anything that can help you build that confidence is a really mm. good thing. No, I think that's really valuable and, and totally agree. Someone said to me recently, um, and I'm going to misquote this for sure, but they said to me, you do realise that most of the people that suffer from imposter syndrome are actually very good at what they do because if they weren't, if it was the other way around, like if you weren't good at what you did and you were worried that you were not good at what you did, that you'd almost mm. be narcissistic because you'd be thinking you are going for something that you just weren't at all qualified for whereas yep. you sort of know that you are but there's that level of imposter syndrome that is stopping you 
um, because yep. you know that you sort of are. Does that make? I don't yeah. know if that makes. Sense. Well, so and I think there's that whole thing is if you think you're not good enough, you're probably going to be working harder to improve. Yeah. True. That's very true as well. Um, oh, look, all really valuable pieces. Um, oh, thank you so much, Nicole. That's been fabulous. So good to learn about everybody's journey. And I do always love hearing about yours and our um, our chats. I, I think there's a lot to unpack uh, and to continue to unpack. But I really appreciate you having on, uh, being on the podcast again. Thank you. It's always a pleasure chatting to you, Alice. So thank you for having me. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners. Please make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss out any of our fabulous 2023 IWD showcase. Talk soon. And until then, be wise in business. Thanks, Nicole. Thanks, Alice. SMB Wisdom is proudly sponsored by SMB Advisory. SMB Advisory is a specialist firm of chartered accountants dedicated to providing specialist insolvency services to financiers, advisors, directors and individuals. The team at SMB Advisory are a safe set of hands to talk through your options when things get tough or when you find yourself in a tricky business situation and you're not sure what's next. Call the team on 1800 762 238 or send a message through the website www.smbadvisory.com.au to talk through the next steps in your business journey.